Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Racetech. Racetech Suspension and Engines is your one-stop shop to make sure your bike is operating at its true potential on race day and when you're dropping those lap times on practice day. You can mention Big MX Radio in order to save some money, and that also helps us out letting Racetech know that Big MX Radio is helping them out. Luxon MX, not just another triple clamp company. These guys are precision engineers driven to out-design the status quo. You can enter discount code BIGMX at checkout and save 10% on Luxon MX. You can save 20% on Guts Racing seats. They just brought in their brand new Gas Gas, Husqvarna, and KTM full seats from the seat base, seat foam, seat covers. Uh, Let's be honest, the seat cover that's currently on your bike, James Dahlman, is absolutely hooped and you need to get it replaced. So go and do so with Guts Racing. John Anderson, Christian Anderson over there at W Wheels, amazing people, and they create unbelievable product from components that are hand-picked by those guys. You can either buy the components themselves or you can have them build you up a beautiful set of wheels that's going to take a licking and keep on ticking. They're extremely durable wheels. Fox Racing Canada, you guys know the drill. Go to the website, memorize the catalog, and then head on into your local dealer like Maple Ridge Motorsports and get yourself completely fitted and kitted and protected by Fox Racing Canada. Phoenix Handlebars have some of the coolest looking handlebars on the market. They perform extremely well. They come in uh, various bends, and you can find out exactly which one's for you by taking their online survey right on the website, figure out what bar bend is right for you, and then drool over all of their different bar pad covers. They've got tons of different colors. They're going to match your bike, whether you have a really custom cool looking build or you're doing a more factory look. They have that for you and they can get you set up. And you can also save 15% with Big MX Radio 15 at checkout. SKDA Graphics, we're giving away a multiple uh, $100, gift cer- $100 gift certificate for SKDA Graphics. They jumped on the show this year and we really appreciate their support. Uh, you can go to SKDA graphics or skdamoto.com i believe um and no matter where you're ordering from whether you're in australia the states or canada uh shipping is very reasonable and they have great semi-custom kits full custom kits they'll can handle all of your graphic needs skda graphics last but not least we have Heartbeat hot sauce. First of all, I've been putting this hot sauce on literally every meal that I've had since they sent me their six pack. I love the scorpion. It's nice and nice and flavorful. It's not super, super spicy, uh, but they have ones that are even spicier than that. Uh, I'm going to be trying all of them and just doing some moto style meal preps. So get you guys some some new recipes and stuff that you can try to when you're heading to the track or maybe when you're training in the off season. Let's be honest, none of you actually train unless your name is Sean Wedge and you're just like on the treadmill or the elliptical right now, sweating, doing your back extensions, everything else in between. Keep keep it up, big guy. Uh, I want to give a huge a huge shout out to Kieran McCullough who put his 250F back together finally. Same thing with uh, my buddy Jeff down in Michigan, who uh, just rebuilt his uh, his 450 that needed some love. He's going to head back out onto the ice because uh, we have at least six more weeks of winter as it is minus 40 here in Canada. All right, guys, 
Appreciate the time. Appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to an hour and 46 minutes of straight awesomeness. Have yourselves a great rest of your day and enjoy the Houston Supercross. Welcome to the Big MX pre-race show live here on YouTube, brought to you by Racetech mxd360.com as well as bigmxradio.com and airwheeliesonly.com. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, a couple of characters that are on the show with me for the fourth time in as many weeks, Denny Stevenson. Denny, how's it going? I'm good, brother. I'm uh, middle America, freezing my ass off, similar to you up there in Canada. So I'm ready to warm things up a little Houston Supercross this weekend. Yes, sir. We're going to heat, heat things up. Uh, it's currently minus 41 here, so I am uh, staying inside for the majority of the day. Uh, but also on the line with us from Racetech, we are all three of us wearing Racetech attire, although I don't yet have a super cool hat to match my friends. Chris Riesenberg, the voice of reason. Chris, how's it going? Uh, I'm just excited. We get more racing and we get to kick off the 250 East this weekend. It's going to be so much fun. And we're back on the, yeah, we're back on the East. Uh, this is friendly confines for one Denny Stevens, who who actually won this title back in 1990. Like, Denny, one quick note on just the 250 East Championship. The, the it, Every time the 250 East Championship must start, it must sort of like kind of warm your heart a little bit. Something that obviously near and dear to your heart. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, clearly 90 was a good time. It was a long time ago, a lifetime ago, but um I do appreciate the East guys, even though back when I raced with a little more East region and West region, as far as where you lived. But uh, of course, it's uh, it's uh, it's that's near and dear to my heart. And I'm looking forward to these new guys uh, popping things off. Obviously, a lot of injuries, but uh, to East taking uh, taking place in Houston should be badass. That it will be. Now, let's head on over to our very first segment of the show. Chris Riesenberg with the Race Tech Rapid Recap. That's right. Race Tech Gold Valves provide a plush feel with drastically improved bottoming resistance and increased traction. And let me tell you, last weekend at Anaheim, Prince Sexton was hooked up and claimed the crown, declares war on Tomac and Webb rejoining the title fight. Brad, what did you think about it? Well, honestly, I, I, I was blown away by how Chase Sexton was able to flip the script. Um, going out there, Fastest in qualifying, uh, and he wins two of the three main events. Um, he was fast at the beginning. He was fast at the end. He really asserted himself. I was impressed. Absolutely. And then we saw um, Eli Tomac tumbles and hits the mat, costing him a medal. Debo? Tomac well, that was crashed. early. <clears throat> um, I think we'd all say thank God for that tough lock. You know, he uh, – as from what I read from his Instagram and, and we watched, you know, he tried to go around the outside of web and triple onto that tabletop. Had he, had he been doing most of the day off and on, went a little wide. And what he said is he was probably, probably more worried about where web was going to go and proceed to launch himself off the side of the track and right on top of those tough blocks. He ragdolled, um, she's Barbie doll style, just flipped and landed right on his ass on a tough block. Perfectly could not have sat any better. Got a chance to adjust his visor, get back going. Obviously, that bike had been bent up uh, just to salvage what he did was impressive. I, I just hope, you know, some people think that maybe <clears throat> that that might have scared Eli a little bit. Maybe he won't be challenging himself and, and, and pushing the limits. I certainly hope not. I don't think that's the case. But he walked away from that one. Very, uh, very fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. Crazy crash. Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll dig more into that as we start looking forward to Houston. Um, but also. 
Kenny kicks ass and earns a trophy. Roxanne finds the podium. Brad? Let's go straight to Kenny here. And the, the 94 kickstart Kenny. Bottom line is Ken Roxon doing well in Supercross is good for the sport of motocross and Supercross. You know, there was a lot of fans that would love to see it. It creates conversation on shows like this. There's lots of banter back and forth on Twitter and every other uh, platform on social media. Love to see it. Good on Kenny. For sure. And then in the 250 class, one out of five starts for Kitchen are award-winning. Debo, Levi Kitchen, uh, yeah, won the chef. his fifth attempt. Yeah, I think that's pretty fantastic. He rode good. Uh, I think a lot of people maybe were concerned with him taking such a <clears throat> a late start in his seriousness with his racing, um, you know, building his craft. You know, I think he's what he's 19, 20 right now, which is sometimes considered a little old to be only five races into your Supercross career. And then coming off a huge crash at, uh, at round two at San Diego, down the start straight, he yard sailed really big, uh, similar to Forkner. And came came away, uh, came away unscathed as well, and was able to line up this weekend. Um, he had a couple of big crashes, even in practice we saw. And but he's he seems to have a nuts resilience. You know, he's come from up the Pacific Northwest. He's used to fighting things out, and uh, man, he rode really solid. Three solid main events. He was really smart in that last one. He got out second behind Jet, and instead of trying to chase Jet down, maybe pass Jet, I think he's he's locked in behind him, found a good pace. And then when Jet pulled away from him, I think he was able to keep that pace, obviously, and get himself that first overall. So congratulations to Kitchen. I think we're going to see big things from him all, all year in Supercross and the outdoors. And, of course, one of the bigger stories, the Jet crashes, leaving a perfect season up in flames. Brad? You know what? There's a lot of people who are talking perfect season, and I was one of them. But these triple crowns are just, uh, if, if Jet is Superman, he has a kryptonite and it's triple crowns. Uh, he hit the ground on a multiple occasion. And in fact, he basically had the exact same crash that Hayden Deegan would, would end up having later on uh, in the evening. Uh, yeah, what can you say? The guy obviously puts a lot of pressure on himself during those particular races. Um, yeah, like bummer to see uh, to see him go down, but great to see a new winner. Yeah, speaking of new guys up front, we saw uh, Nicoletti lights up the front of the field. <laughs> so he had some pretty sweet lights on his bike and led a bunch of laps. Your buddy, Filthy Phil Debo, what'd you think? That, that was pretty awesome. You know, I think everybody's a fan of Phil. Uh, you know, I probably had a chance to meet with him and talk with him at the Tony Wink uh, Brayton Invitational in Winterset, Iowa, while last season. And yeah, out front. Um, then second place, um, Brown and someone had gone down and opened up just a huge lead. I think all of a sudden we were watching on TV and I was watching my dad and we're like, holy crap, Nick Lay's got a six and a half second lead right now, you know, while that worked out perfectly. But I think we'd even heard from him uh, on Racer X that he said that he got tight and drifted back to third. But uh, he also had those crazy lights on his bike, which I guess is something Feld feels like they wanted to test with Phil. And um, the fact he got to lead <clears throat> was even cooler because that was kind of, I think their point is to let the crowd in the audience have a better idea where the leader is on the track. Uh, even though most of us find it pretty silly because we know who's leading the races. There's a lot of fans in the stands and maybe not always know right off the, the top of their head when they're watching. It gets a little confused when they get in the lappers. I know they tried the lights around the track to try and kind of indicate where the riders are on the track, the leaders. So for most of us, I think it's pretty silly, you know, don't fix what's not broken, but uh, I don't know, just fell trying to make a way to keep the, the fans in attendance more aware of what's happening on the track. Yeah, constant innovation for sure. Um, McAdoo and Hampshire taste the soil instead of champagne. 
a couple big ones uh, for both Hampshire and McAdoo, who are second and third in the title chase. Brad? You know what? Both these guys are 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 pretty well versed in soil samples, so I wouldn't be surprised if they don't already have uh, corresponding heartbeat hot sauce that they put on it uh, when they typically uh, taste the soil on a regular basis. Uh, hate to see it for either one of these guys because they're literally the the two guys that have a chance at at chasing down Jet on a regular basis the rest of this championship. You hate to see it, but unfortunately, it's been a bit of a trend. A couple true geologists. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, like doctorates. Doctorates. <laughs> I will. I, I'll. I'll uh, quickly like two second chime in on the on the lights thing. I'll, all I can say is it's been a long, long time since I was a new fan in the sport of Supercross. Uh, so I really don't know whether or not uh, the lights are effective for new fans or not. I personally think they're uh, a little bit uh, unnecessary, but. I, it's like I said, it's literally been 20 years since I have never seen a supercross before. So who knows? They were pretty cool in the stadium. They had them on uh, Juju's bike in the supercross futures practice, is where I first okay. saw them and I was wondering what the heck they were as well. Uh, but I'm all about them trying to innovate and, and honestly, they're cool. So onboard live cameras. I Good mean, McGrath put, the... put lights on his helmet one year and we all loved it. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> and tassels. Anytime you have lights somewhere, I think we'll we'll jump on board. <laughs> right. If there's like one the thing I know about Moto fans, they like to get lit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the final uh, race tech rapid, rapid recap cheesy headline is Bennett Husky and uh, Boomer are super. Is Deegan still the future? Debo, sound off. Well, I think it was great. You know, um, I, I thought I think we all thought Brian, uh, Hayden would do a little bit better. Um, we'll get into that a little bit more later. But, uh, you know, those guys rode some gnarly track conditions. They came in and, and did their final practice after everyone else had kind of rode. Um, they got the track when it was beat down. They didn't race their 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 futures main until uh, after the two motos, I guess, of both classes. The track had to be beat down a little bit more as well. Uh, Boomer, I've never even heard of him before. Uh, so I obviously looked him up from Lake Havasu city, Arizona, man, he was crushing it all day in practice and everything. Um, good for him. And then a slight mistake when he cased a big double and his bars dropped to his tank, um, heartbreaking for him and the family. But again, the futures is what it is. It's there for you to learn. And, um, I think having a full gate of guys, 20 riders this time, even some of the B riders is outstanding and, uh, some great rides and more power to him. So I think it worked out well for Deegan instead of him having to show up at round one in Houston this weekend with those type of nerves and pressure. Uh, hopefully he got that out of the way and, and as well as Hawkins and a lot of these guys. So it was pretty awesome. Good night racing for everybody. All right. Well, that's your first segment. Next up, presented by BigMXRadio.com. We've got the 250 East kicks off in Houston. Really excited about this. Energy Stadium is an absolute gorgeous venue for this. Uh, unfortunately, so far, the 250 East class, we haven't even raced one uh, one moto yet, uh, but it's an absolute fucking triage unit. Um, we have my personal title pick. Who was Seth Hamaker? There was some there was some discussion that I might have been high on glue when making that pick, but regardless, I picked him, and uh, he decided to put his wrist on backwards uh, before the season. He'll be out. Uh, probably will not see him until outdoors at the very earliest. Jalex Swole, I'm hearing it's a hand injury. He could, we can see him missing multiple rounds. Um, that that's honestly not something that like. This is the last thing the kid needed, honestly. Like, Jalex Wald needed some good momentum, and he's not going to get it. 
Joe Shimoda, it's a collarbone, but I'd imagine it either got plated or like by now he's probably feeling a little bit better. When we'll see him back on the bike, I wouldn't expect to see him until um, possibly round six if we see him at all in this championship. Uh, Nick Romano was was set to make his pro debut uh, in Supercross. That's not going to happen. And Garrett Marchbanks, uh, the middle linebacker of 250 Supercross, is out. Uh, he will be replaced on the uh, Club MX Yamaha team by Preston Kilroy. Preston Kilroy. Preston Kilroy, fresh off of uh, kickstarting his, his Suzuki's. Um, so that, that leaves the conversation to who the hell are the, the title contenders for this championship. There's still a lot of good names in there, but obviously the, the roster's taken a hit. Um, Hunter Lawrence, in my opinion, sort of leads the pack in that respect. Uh, is that, is that where we want to start off the conversation boys? I think Hunter has obviously got to be the shoe in, you know, I've seen people suggesting otherwise even even before all these injuries um hunter is is, is one of the few has beaten his brother straight up he had what four or five wins last season i think hunter is no doubt the title favorite and with everybody that's out uh, it definitely narrows it down to moseman and, and uh, thrasher for me uh, i don't see jordan smith or jmr or viale really giving him a, a go on a consistent basis throughout the whole series uh so for me i got you know hunter up front at thrasher and moseman right there uh, not too far behind but i think it's this is h law's uh as I used to call him, HFL Hunter fucking Lawrence, to win this title uh, pretty easily. What do you think, Jex? Yeah, I mean, I think that for a lot of us, that Hunter was already the favorite, and then you knock out a couple of people that I think that very well could have been contenders with him for the title with the Pro Circuit guys both going out. Um, you could have made a case for either of them to to be in the mix with Joe's awesome outdoor season last year and maybe mm-hmm. coming to form in Supercross that we hadn't seen, but at least not consistently. And then obviously Hammaker's had some fantastic races, but you take those guys out. Um, I think just a lot of unproven talent behind him that haven't proven any consistency to, to any way, shape or form. So really it's, it's who's going to step up to be the next challenger and does Hunter not beat himself? Um, I think that it's made the made things a lot easier for him because you'd also thin out the field. If he gets a bad start, it's a lot less guys to pass coming through and that side of things. I don't think it's without question that a Thrasher or a Moseman can get out to a good start and win a race, but to beat him consistently for a championship, we have yet to see anyone else in the field step up to that form to any way, shape or form, unless you go back to 2018 or before with Jordan Smith. And, you know, we haven't seen him in that championship form in a long time. And I know we talked about our previous show, like he hasn't even had a top five in, you know, in a while. So um, his last podium, I believe was that 2018 season when he was battling for a title. So, um he is on a star yamaha that team's been super powerful um but yeah it's a bunch of kids a couple very inconsistent um i guess sophomores and almost a veteran now at this point i guess for moseman and then the clear favorite is it's got to be hunter lawrence at this point yeah moseman uh, he could just stay off the ground obviously anytime he gets out front he seems to start dreaming about transformers and stuff and puts himself on this ground and then thrasher if he could if he could come through every last chance qualifier, he might win because he's he's two for two in that. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you, Checkers. And uh, didn't mean to interrupt you. What do you got, Brad? Well, Mosman, I think is is the the be- biggest threat to Hunter Lawrence, but I don't think it's a, a overly imposing threat. I, I think that um, obviously. Mosman has had a propensity to hit the ground, push the front end like a broom. And if he's able to solve that, 
he becomes a bigger threat, but like guys like uh, Jeremy Martin, guys like Jordan Smith, um, like I haven't seen it in a while. And in fact, it's been a long while. And when I think of some of these guys that are like, they haven't had success in a while. Like when I think of Jordan Smith uh, or Jeremy Martin, like the last time those guys were serious threats in Supercross was like 2017, 2018. Um, and then I start to sort of like throw that back in time. If 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 someone was a threat in, 19, in 2007, would I consider them a threat in 2013? Or if someone was a, was really good in two, 125 Supercross in 1997, would I have taken them seriously in, in, in 2003? And the answer is no. Um, so unless those guys are able to completely change their stripes, I think obviously they're going to still be a top five guys, but I don't think they're going to be weekend in, weekend out threats to, uh, to take championship points away from Hunter Lawrence's, which is what you're going to have to do. Uh, and when you do so, you're probably going to have to do so in bunches because I have uh, Hunter Lawrence probably winning anywhere from far four to maybe even six of these races, uh, depending on how the cookie crumbles for him. Uh, Thrasher will be fast, uh, but he seems to really ride with who he's with. So if he gets a bad start, he stays back there. If he gets a good start, he's up there as well. Uh, I think the story of the two of the 250 East class is going to be watching the kids. I'm looking forward to watching all five full blown rookies, guys who have like literally never raced a supercross in their lives um and they're they're all going to go go do battle with each other some of them are on abbreviated deals and we're going to talk about that a little bit as well but um yeah like, th- th- there's going to be uh, a brand new injection of a lot of talent and a lot of quick guys um in this class that i think is going to be led by hunter lawrence i definitely want to just stop you real quick though you cannot yeah. say that jordan smith and jeremy martin are they exactly the same Jeremy Martin raced last year. He had a second and a fourth in the two races he was in. He is still showing the speed and talent to be up there. What he hasn't shown is how to finish out the season, but he's also going from a star racing Yamaha, the most powerful team in the pits to a club MX Yamaha, which is not a factory team. Although on the West, they've proven that they have a very good program going this year and they've gradually built it up. But I definitely don't want to confuse Jeremy Martin has put in good results. He just hasn't put in a good season finish. Um, but he is getting older and he's racing against, yes, this new influx of kids, which might scare the crap out of him because they're probably going to be ping-ponging from tough block to tough block across the racetrack, <laughs> throttles r- r- locked wide open, not giving a crap because that's all they know how to do is run a fast lap time and go to the front of the field and are oblivious to anyone else on the racetrack. Yeah, when was the again? last time that the, a, a single-digit number was on a privateer bike? The only one I'm kind of thinking of is like Larry Ward on Troy on Honda of Troy. Steve Lampson was a number oh, six yeah. on a private on an bike. ECC a few returns. So, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Same number two six. Yeah, yeah the six. And uh, yeah, Jmart. You know, back to what he was saying again about being the old man in the class, uh, older, and then the young kids. <clears throat> I had talked about that uh, before in another show that, and we had talked about it at the time when Jeremy Martin went into the first turn of that first heat race. I believe two years ago and the rhythm section was a double triple and he went double double and got landed on from behind. And I think it, that, that becomes part of what you're thinking when you're in a group of kids who are not even considering not going double triple as checker just said, who are ping pong and off each other. Don't give a shit wide open youthful exuberance, as we say, and J Mart hit a little bit of a panic, but didn't panic, but just hesitated. And when you got 17, 18 year old kids behind you, um, who do not hesitate, you become a little bit more of a hazard when you're in that lead pack. So I'm looking forward to seeing if J-Mart has changed that mental attitude of his 
goes into it three, four wide uh, into the first rhythm section with these 18 year olds all around him and does not hesitate. For me, that'll make me decide on how his season will go pretty much. If he hesitates and is becoming more of a hazard, is getting pushed around in the corners, you know, that first half a lap when everybody is doing that ping pong, I think we'll know whether or not J-Mart is going to be for real this Supercross season or not, or if he's just going to save himself and be healthy for the outdoors, because that is where I personally think he needs to be, as well as Viale. Get through this Supercross season healthy and be ready for the outdoor nationals, because that is where they're getting paid for to be here, I believe. Fair enough. Let's let's flip things over to the premier class. Let's talk about this 450 title. And Chase is hot again. Honestly, he's got the eye of the tiger. Uh, that is like you just saw uh, a a drive return back to Chase Chase Sexton just in the last week. That obviously, like he needed that boost of confidence, get that win, and uh, he's a huge threat now. Um, Let's talk about him a little bit as well as, uh, yeah, him and Webb are are just four, four points back. What do you think, Chex? Well, I'm super excited because Sexton was my title pick going in. And honestly, at the first two races, he didn't look like he was any different than he was last year. Just just inconsistent. Like he had some speed, but he just wasn't comfortable enough to put it together every single lap. And when you're battling against Eli Tomac and the Cooper Webb that's won titles before that are super, super solid – you can't afford those mistakes. Luckily, Eva, Eli gave him a huge break to let him get back in this thing. He has momentum coming off of a win. I think that that might be just what Chase Sexton needs to fight for this thing all the way down to the end. He has to eliminate the mistakes, though. He cannot afford any more mistakes because Webb and Tomac, at least one of them isn't going to make the mistakes and you're not going to beat them. And I was trying to think back. When's the last time we really had three guys in the title fight and not just two? You know, we we get down to these two horse races. I think that's probably where we'll end up eventually. So which guy's the one to drop out? You know, is it Eli being a little bit scared being in his last season after going off a big crash? He doesn't crash hard like that. That if oh, you look at his stats one. of the consecutive races that he's been in and stuff all the way through last year when he had his injury and sat out the end, like he hadn't missed a race in ages. Since Houston. Yeah. 2018. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I mean, that was a long time because he doesn't have the big crashes. Um, Webb looks solid. He doesn't quite have the speed. I will did want to point out, you know, that we haven't had a huge set of whoops yet, but in San Diego, he was the last guy in practice blitzing down the whoops. Malcolm ran his fast lap in practice, jumping the whoops. Webb was still blitzing them, looked pretty good. That's obviously been his Achilles heel. Same thing this weekend. Everybody else pretty much resorted to that jump line. Webb was still blitzing across the top of them. I think he's much improved in the whoops, but we haven't seen a huge gnarly set. But if he took that part out of his game or that weakness out of his game, it's just going to make him even stronger. So as long as he has starts and he's consistently able to be there at the end, that's where he's a gamer. Um, I think it's a much improved Cooper Webb that is very much in this title fight. Well, what do you think, Debo? Well, real quick, let's look at last year's points after three rounds. Eli Tomac only had 59 points. He had a sixth, a fourth, and a second. Saxon was in second, only a point down with a fifth, a ninth, and a first. And then it basically went down to there was five points separating the top six riders, Tomac, Sexton, Webb, Barsha, Anderson, and Plessinger. And Ken was just two points back from those guys with Malcolm Stewart. So no one had really set this tone yet last season, but yet it turned into an incredible two or three rider hit at chase with the Eli and Anderson, which was pretty badass. We fast forward to this year. And obviously, like you said, checkers, we're looking at pretty much three guys. It's looking really strong already at the top of the points, only four points separate Tomac, Sex, and Webb. With Anderson now 14 points back, did not start the season well. 
um, showed some greatness in that one uh, triple crown round uh, last week. But we're also seeing him still edging with his mentalness. You know, I mean, he yelled at what Justin Starling after after he won the main event saying, we don't give a fuck who you are. There are people here to see us. We don't give a shit if you're racing. Something is going on in Nando's head that he feels that he has to lash out. Like he felt like he had to knock down Barsha, which was fine. But then he yelled at Barsha. Then he tweeted about Barsha. And then he gets a, lets a lapper get into his head. And he yells at him on the track. It's Something's going on with Jason El, El, El Ombre that I'm not quite sure of i don't think anyone quite is understandable where he's at compared to where he finished last year in supercross i don't know if we're going to see the same rider we saw last year he did look good got that main event win uh, or that triple crown race moto whatever the hell they want to call it win but i still think we have a lot to be determined on what jason can do if he can make up these 14 points it's a long ways a lot of racing left but that's a lot of points to make up and, and you were talking about sexton che uh, checks sexton started out at a1 pretty much like we thought Big lead, got out front, worked his way out there, got tight, and faded back to third. For him, I thought that was pretty good. Again, didn't end up on the ground, didn't crash, didn't piss away a podium. Last week, or was round two, he uh, got taken down by Barsha when he was about eighth or ninth. Had to work his way back to the pack. Again, I don't think the track at second round in San Diego was a very difficult track. I don't think it offered a lot of changes and a lot of, offered a lot of places to make up ground. He got stuck behind uh, Barsha and, and Roxon. I thought he'd get up catching pass and both of them. He settled in and got a fourth uh, or a fifth that night, which I think is, again, not bad. Salvage points. Comes into A2 to Triple Crown, wins two of the mains, as you said, or two of the races. I think that Sexton is right where he needs to be, right where he wants to be. He's right there in the points. He hasn't pissed away, hasn't had a big crash, uh, which Eli now has. You know, we've seen Sexton put throw it away big time last year. Some of the biggest crashes I think we've ever seen a 4 rider Tiffy Ryder, anyone go down, and he's always jumped right back. To be three rounds in and not have that yet to happen him, and still looking very solid, very consistent, very solid, more confident on the bike, I think uh, Sexton might have everybody right where he wants them. As far as Webb, again, he's loving those inside lines. We haven't seen a big flowing track quite yet. You know, I think the outside flowing that uh, Sexton and Eli and even Anderson's steering with that rear wheel, that Cowie, is still a more faster, consistent pace than diving to the inside than Webb has been doing. But Cooper is such a great uh, racecraft that I'm really looking forward to it. Like you said, Checkers, a three-rider shootout here. I'm not sure if Anderson can make it four riders or not. What do you think, Brad? Well, uh, when it comes to leaving California, there's always a couple of guys in the Supercross season that uh, can't wait to get out of California. And I would imagine that Jason Anderson's probably one of them. Uh, the bike hasn't been handling the way he'd probably want to, and the results haven't been there. Uh, heading into Houston, a racetrack that he won at back in 2018, which kicked off of his uh, his one and only championship, I think he's uh, probably going back to the friendly confines of NRG Stadium and, and feeling rather at home, hoping to turn out of... Uh, Turn over a new leaf. Uh, and if he's able to do that, I think he does become a contender. Obviously, a race winner uh, in, immediately injects himself in there. Whether or not he's going to stay there is is a, a big question mark, and we're going to find out. Um, my question to you guys is, who else benefits from leaving California? I would imagine that, like, you'd, you'd never imagine you'd say this, but maybe it's a good thing that uh, Christian Craig's getting out of California, even though he's had so much success there in the past. What do you think, Chex? Well, I think one thing to look at with California is it's been a very wet California stretch. So the tracks have been unusually ruddy and that goes along with Cooper ducking down in the corners and stuff and definitely not suiting Jason Anderson's style of opening up the track a little bit more sliding the back end. That's where 
Jason Anderson is one of the best, if not the best, is finding traction. Remember all those hard pack rounds? We were watching Salt Lake in Denver last year where he was finding traction and no one else could with his loose style on the motorcycle. Um, I just saw the now fastest mechanic in the pits, Ben LeMay, posted a picture up of them building the track in Houston and said, best dirt on the circuit. Um, with St. Louis not there, I could probably agree. That means there's less ruts, but there's still a lot of traction. Um, I have seen the Houston track get a little bit dry, but it also means the track stays together. And on the track map, there's a very long set of whoops. It's like 50 also yards. Benefit some guys. So um, I think that it's more of a hindrance to Cooper Webb that, than the other guys maybe as an advantage. But I would have to point to a Jason Anderson. Um, I'm trying to think of another guy, maybe Dylan Ferrandis as well. Um, he seems to struggle just not making mistakes when the tracks are really challenging. And when they're a little more open, he can ride a little more loose. And Ferrandis has quietly been off to a fairly decent start to his season. Um, I've seen him quiet, but towards good. the front yeah. on starts way more than I've ever really seen him. He's not hole shotting by any means. They're not perfect and they're not as consistent as they need to be to be a title contender, but his starts are definitely better this year. A fourth, a sixth and a fifth for Ferrandis. That's uh I think that's better than we could all three of us would have thought he was would have opened up the season and he's doing it quietly staying off the ground. Another good thing um, because he's, I think obviously he's got a lot to learn on this 450 and supercross, but a good start. A good, good call on that checks. So I like Ferrandez uh, doing it quietly because I think he's best when he's kind of behind the scenes in supercross. And even though he hasn't got the greatest starts, he's gotten better starts and he has all of a sudden kind of rode into the picture there at the end, even though rocks and passed him on the last lap of that third uh, triple crown round last round. Um, Good to see Frantis up there and be a little more solid and consistent for he Going into next year, he could be the lead star for Hitty guy with Tomac leaving. So we'll see. Speaking of star racing 450 guys uh, on an abbreviated program, a guy who we will not see as, as many times as we'd like to, apparently for budget reasons. Um, Jay Coop makes his return to Supercross, this time on a 450. We're going to see the 32 machine uh, with white backgrounds for the very first time in live action. Um, I'm excited to see it, honestly. I think this kid had a, has a great pedigree in the 250 class. He's a champion. Uh, he's His podium percentage uh, in that class was absolutely absurd. Um, but does that translate into 450 success? What do you think, Debo? It does not translate. I mean, I, I that's what I, Checkers and I always, I always joke about the fact that, uh, you know, he says, that, you know, and he it does, it's a case that the factory teams insist that these kids win a 250 Supercross title before they're even look at hiring them. And I think we've, we're seeing a lot of good riders who are stuck in a 2D class that need a shot on the 450. Whether or not that works out for Cooper, I don't know. He's kind of a smaller, uh, not the really biggest, strongest, tallest kid, um, but he does, he's a good, got a good race craft as well. So, I never really anticipated even seeing him win a Supercross title, let alone um, even moving up to four Vs as quickly. Um, I think he could have used a little bit more time in the 2D class. Although it will be exciting. I'm excited to see him white number plates on the big bike. I'm a little disappointed that he didn't ride the first two rounds. I think that was just a missed opportunity. We all know how much faster, how much better everyone's riding going into the fourth round. It's already been racing. He's now got to start out as though he just, it's A1 for him at round four. I think Star really missed the boat on that. Um, a budget reason I, you know, maybe don't have 18 fucking factory guys in your semi and be a little more concerned about your 450 riders like Justin Cooper and, and give him the full opportunity instead of putting him behind the eight ball at round four in Houston. But I have him getting around a 12th. Um, it's going to be on a line to start. Obviously, Colt Nichols is in a very similar situation. I think he benefited from all the chaos at round one. I think we're now seeing where Colt kind of runs anywhere from uh, 11th to 13th. 
And I believe Colt will kind of run that same same base. So um, as we've all said, and uh, I was talking to my buddy, buddy Tony about, he's, he's a big fan of, of, of Cooper's, that it's much easier to start forward and go backwards than it is to start backwards and go forward. So uh, regardless where Cooper starts, I got him 12-12. Way in checks. I definitely have to think that Justin Cooper is going to go about things really quietly. He's been a consistent rider throughout most of his career. Um, I think he will light it up in time qualifying. He's a great qualifier. So I think that, you know, it might raise his expectations for people a little bit because I do expect to see him at least at times up on the board in the top five in qualifying. Whether he finishes that high up, I don't know, but I think he'll have some speed that he can show because he's a great qualifier but I think he'll go about his races much differently and being more consistent and gradually building because that's what we've seen from him. Um, I don't expect to see him near the top five in the races once they get going. And I think that's also another reason that's such a disservice to him, not letting him race all these races to gradually build and become something because he's not the guy that's going to just jump in there and light it up on fire in one single race. But I mean, here's, here's the thing. The last time that he raced a motorcycle, he was on top of the world on the 250 um, and saved the Motocross of Nations team. It's been a long time. People usually have a hard time carrying that momentum, but maybe, just maybe, Captain America can deliver this Saturday night in his first 450 Supercross. Well, we are going to find out. That's what that's the beauty of these weekend races. Uh, it, they they wipe the slate clean. Everyone goes out for qualifying, and we get to find out who's the fastest on the day. Now let's move on to the Dash for Cash, which is brought to you by MXD360.com, a salary-based fantasy supercross league that if you're not already playing, you must at this point have ridiculous amounts of fear of missing out, massive FOMO. Because this is such a fun game. I just set my lineup. I'm completely out of cash. I don't know what I'm doing in this game, but I'm having fun every single weekend. And my goal is to become better at this game than Denny Stevenson, which would just be one more thing that I'm better at Denny than. But either way, uh, let's move straight on to these rapid fire questions. I volley this one over to checkers first off. Who are you most impressed with from the futures this last weekend at Anaheim 2? Well, first of all, I want to start off by saying how awesome was it that they moved the Supercross Futures main event into the night show? Oh, it's great. It changed it. The kids. It so much better. Um, there was a lot of buzz in the pits. There's obviously a lot of buzz about Hayden Began. The factory Husqvarna guys put in great performances. Daxton Bennick, another star Yamaha, captures the win. But we all expect those guys to go up front. But not just once, but twice in both practice sessions on Saturday, the fastest guy was Juju, Juju. Julian Bomer. Absolutely put his name on the map and became a real contender. A lot of people I know that I talked to had never heard of the kid. I follow amateur stuff pretty closely as, as my job. So I've been a, known of Juju for since he was riding TMs in the 85 class back in the day. Um, wow. He was awesome. He was fast. It was actually in our text with, with Denny in our group after the first practice, I looked at the times and saw him on the top and I was like, dang, I know the kid's good. And I know like, he's pretty good but i didn't know if the time was legit so then i really watched him the second practice and he laid it down once again and if you look at the lap times from the race i believe he had the third fastest lap time in the race still although he had to pull into the mechanics area and fix his handlebars the real winner of that whole race was absolutely juju by putting his name on the map and i'm telling you i've been just pounding the drum if i'm mitch payton I'm putting him on a pro circuit Kawasaki right now, giving him the opportunity. He needs some young talent to come on up. Why don't you take this kid who's never had the full factory ride? 
who's been working and working and working. And he just laid it down on all the factory amateur kids and showed that he can go faster than him and ride supercross really well. Why not give him an opportunity and try to groom him into a champion? You have a bike sitting there. I'm calling Juju. He just earned his license. That's who I would pick. It's a great point. Great point. All right. Absolutely. Let's move straight on to the next dash for crash question. Volleyed over to Debo. Kenny has went five, four, three so far. Does he get a does he get a second in Houston? Um, that's a great question. And uh, I'll say what I've been telling everybody, you know, call me when he gets a win and uh, when he podiums in a 20 minute plus one lap main event. As of right now, as of right now, I got Kenny going a fifth, a fourth and a third with an asterisk because it was a, it was a triple crown, but uh, seriously, they're the hep team, Larry Brooks, uh, his mechanic, Travis souls. Congratulations. Awesome for you guys. Kenny is riding some of the best I've seen him. He's riding so smart, very patient. And he's sure to pat himself on the back, which he deserves on the podium. Um, he's turned into one of the greatest stories already with all of his injuries, the way he's returned. And now he goes to the uh, old and decrepit Suzuki that I used to, I joke about with it being a 2018 model. And they're doing fantastic. They're doing very well. He's been very patient. Um, I did hear that maybe Sewell should probably let Kenny know that he had the podium overall in that last triple crown. So he didn't uh, risk passing Ferrandis as he did. But still... I still don't have him in the top three in a full main event. He faded a little bit in both the triple crown or two of the three motos uh, races uh, was almost gotten past at the end of both a couple of those. I do not have Ken in second for this final or this Houston round. He could be climbing the ladder. I don't think he's going to win uh, a main event. Still. I'm still sticking to my guns with Ken. And, uh, and like I said, when he can podium a, a 20 minute plus one lap main event, you guys give me a call and let me know and remind me. Otherwise I still have him about fourth and fifth, which is outstanding. Certainly not a slam to him. It's never a slam to the team and all their hard work they're putting into it. And uh, little by little, he is progressively moving forward. Fair enough, Debo. If I called you, you I know you have caller ID, so you probably wouldn't pick up anyway. Uh, moving on to our next question on Dash for Cash towards Checkers. Uh, your title pick was Chase Sexton. And on his best night, he got a bit of a mulligan in the fact that he was able to get back in the title fight, only down by four points. My question to you is, can he still win this title? Absolutely. And honestly, Denny proved my point even more. Um, I was a little bit that concerned happens. by not seeing yeah. his lightning fast speed the first couple of rounds, but maybe that's actually the good thing because he's honestly avoided the mistakes unless you count getting knocked down. But I mean, that's just going to happen when you're racing the 51 out there. So um, he has actually salvaged, avoided the huge mistakes thus far, shows that he still had the speed last weekend, says he has his bike better. He's now back in the chase. Absolutely, Chase Sexton can win this championship. All right, so switching things back over to Debo. Scary crash for uh, for for Tomac. Uh, like this being his last season, is you think he's going to bounce back? Yeah, as we talked about earlier already, I, I seriously do. Um, but like again, as well as you guys said, he hasn't had a big crash like that in a very long time. Hasn't missed the main um, except last year, the very last round because of his knee because he didn't feel like he had to race. And since 2018, that was a big crash. He is in his 30s. He does have two kids. He is married. Does that weigh in his brain? I'm saying no. Right now, Tomac is still riding flawlessly. Looks like he's having fun. I think it's going to, you know, you can't be that good or even as shitty as I was and have a, have a long-term memory. You got to remember uh, or forget those things. Like a quarterback, like a defensive back, when, you, when something goes wrong, you got to bounce back quickly. And I think Eli is capable of that. He's been He's had too much success 
uh, too much fun these last uh, last 12, 16 months. Uh, I think Eli will be back on the box uh, this weekend, if not another win, and then keep this championship going. I, I, I can't see Sexton out smarting him throughout this championship, and I can't see Webb uh, being faster than Tomac in this championship. So I still have Eli, the number three star Yamaha, as his back-to-back champion. Looking to right the ship and make it a championship in Houston is Eli Tomac. Flipping things back over to checks. Uh, you had the, the the pleasure of being in the stadium for a couple of races. I believe you were there for San Diego and Anaheim too. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the difference between watching a race in person or watching them on television. Obviously, having all the replays and all that stuff is fantastic. Give me your take. Well, absolutely. There's nothing that can be matched. The environment that is created at a live event at a Supercross, especially when the racing action is as insane as it was at the Triple Crown at Anaheim. And also you get the fact that seeing at San Diego in the middle of this, the heat race and the LCQ watching Joan Cross cross jumping all over the place and then getting absolutely smashed corner after corner by Josh Cartwright before Cartwright eventually completely T-boned him into the tough blocks. You just don't get to see that stuff on TV. But at the same point, I have to go back and rewatch the races because there's so much going on. I have a little ADD and don't get to watch the leaders the whole time. For instance, they show a lot, but at least if you go in person, you get to watch both things. Um, the environment though it's unmatched there's nothing like the goosebumps of even opening ceremonies and all that side of things it's it's unbelievable it's awesome to be in the seats at a supercross for sure nothing quite like it thanks for your uh, answer on that one Debo where should Logan Carnow head after the races in Houston well wherever he goes he should take a shake weight I know that because he <laughs> wants to stay you know constantly training and uh, preparing for the next round I do remember Houston being uh when I raced and when I mainly after when I was done racing, I was going down there for Smith. I was going down there for uh, doing my agent stuff and uh, other things. And so maybe when I was doing a little TV stuff, there are some absolutely talented filled and filthy strip clubs down there, which should fit right into Logan's only fans uh, sponsorship this year. I'm certain that he already knows some of the talent in that area. And so fortunate for him, he doesn't even have to use Tinder or Bumble, man. He's just got to log into his only fans account and he will be set up. So Houston is a good, fun, filthy city, and uh, I'm a little disappointed I won't be down there this year. Actually, I've been down there in a while, but I'm hoping to get Dallas on my calendar, and uh, Dallas is ranks right up there with Houston when it comes to I want. <laughs> I once spent 36 hours in Houston to attend the race. Uh, I was at the track for 18 of those hours uh, and got very little sleep. Uh, much thanks to Logan Carnow, actually. Um, next on the docket, our, new, our next segment that we have brought to you by airwheeliesonly.com yes that's a real website and you should probably head over there and i think checkers has some details as to why yes yeah, so um since some of us like myself and denny got eliminated from our supercross survivor game at anaheim one thanks bam bam appreciate it um i decided that we're going to launch super supercross survivor and we've tried Supercross Survivor with the 250 class before, and it was an absolute disaster. Um, like I said, I think it only went three or four rounds. So it's completely new game, mixed up. There's a strike system, so you're guaranteed at least three races. And it is, it's it's $30 to get in, but it's 100% payback, pays back to the top three. It should be a ton of fun. You pick a 250 and a 450 rider. If they beat their goal finish, which is top seven in the 250, top 10 and 450, then you survive and move on to the next round. Pretty easy, except once you've used a rider, you can't use them again. 
all the way down till there's no one that left. If they don't reach their goal, they get a strike. You get three strikes and you're out. Um, it should be a ton of fun. All of that is over on airwheelies.com, airwheelies.com, and all the sign-up details and that stuff. You still have till Saturday to get in. Danny? Yeah, well, I, I've already told you to fuck off. I've played this game now. Uh, three different versions of this game. I've been eliminated. I played the game four different times. I've eliminated in the first race, three of those four races, four three or four, 75%. So when I heard you're doing this, I immediately told you to fuck off. I hate the game. It's stupid. It's done. And then I asked you where I send my money. So I'll be playing. I don't know exactly the rules yet. I've been kind of trying to put it off, hoping you might forget and I can just sneak out without playing. But I'll be logging in today and I highly suggest you you guys do as well listening because it is a fun game. It's a different version. Um, and, you, you know, you think it's easy, but man, it's a, it sucks. It's brutal like any other fantasy game. I'll tell you. Yeah. P- picking top 10 guys sometimes. Yeah. Like the two of you. Yeah. We all, all three of us consider ourselves to be uh, somewhat of an expert in the sport and two out of the three of us uh, couldn't last the first week of, uh, of Supercross uh, as far as just picking up a, a top 10 guy in the 450 class. Shouldn't be that hard, but uh, it can be when, uh, when your guys go ass over tea kettle or uh, a lead laps and then uh, not even end up in the top 10. All right. To emerge, only one will leave victorious. I think I have an idea of as who's to that's going to be, but I am the moderator. I am the 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 sort of the um the the tie break when it comes to uh these versus questions. We're gonna pit De- Denny Stevenson with checkers, and uh these guys are gonna argue their points on these different riders. Uh, who finishes better? We're gonna kick things off with Kenny and Jason Anderson. Who finishes who finishes better uh in Houston? Uh Denny, I think you have uh Jason Anderson uh as your pick, but I could be wrong. I do. Jason Anderson, El Hombre, as they call him. I think that despite the fact that he seems like he's is a little mentally out there and and and, and more on edge. Uh, I think he's the pressure might've gotten to him some of these earlier rounds. Um, Kenny is still developing a motorcycle, like, like it or not. Um, and Anderson has more wins in the last six months or the last year and a half of Supercross than Kenny has in the last, what, three, four years. So I am all about Jason Anderson, the New Mexico kid doing his own program. The Cali is going to be rebounding this weekend. I think his confidence is going to be back. He's moving to Houston with the dirt. It's going to be very good, uh, more less rutted. And I'm going with the Jason Anderson over Ken Roxon because that Suzuki is still a bike in development. Ken is still a racer in development in Supercross. We know he has issues in the past, uh, physical and sometimes a little bit of mental things. He gets locked up. He's been riding outstanding. He's currently leading to Anderson in the points. But I got Anderson at Houston. What about you, Chex? I think you're uh, I think you're screwed in this one. Dude, you guys, the one thing that you haven't seen is Roxon struggled with his motorcycle to a fifth place at Anaheim 1. I watched him at San Diego and that thing would not turn. I've never seen a Suzuki not turn before in my life. It was kicking all over the place and he took it to a fourth place finish. Then come into Anaheim too. It's a completely different rider. He's ripping in the corners again. And in the first, all the time qualifying practices, as well as that first uh, race, he looked super good. He did look a little a little off in the second and third ones, absolutely. But the bike was still turning. You could tell he's fired up. He was jumping that ridiculous three from table to table off of a knuckle that, well, it's it was pretty tiny. Um, and that takes some serious confidence and trust in your motorcycle. Clearly, he has it. 
he did start the season a little slower than normal, but it's still at the beginning of the season. He's still a fresh Ken Roxon. At the end of the season, I don't think he beats Jason Anderson, but right now, going into Houston, five, four, three, see him going right in front of Jason Anderson at Houston. You were also in the stands last week. Did you see Ken uh, still can't find neutral when he's got to kickstart that bike on the track? They showed him on, on race day live again, struggling to find the neutral gear. It's like, man, I know they have a little bit more hiddenness this, these time of day or these years uh, in the future than what we had in the past. He still can't find neutral. I say he kills the bike one of these damn races and can't get the bike started. And it's happening in Houston. Can't find neutral. Struggles to get the thing started. He gets a 15. Judge, jury, wow. executioner, what do you think? I don't know. I, I honestly, um, I like early season Kenny over early season Jason, uh, even though both of them have won the opening round before. Uh, I think, Czech, is, you're, you're exactly right. The the fact that the bike isn't exactly where it needs to be, but it's improving and he's been able to put it where it's at. Uh, if that bike is continuing to improve uh, and he's as comfortable as we think he is with it now already, uh, yeah, I, li- I like him to stay on the podium. And uh, Jason Anderson... Like maybe maybe someone will uh, will up like make him upset somewhere along the way uh, throughout the main event, and he'll decide that he wants to take that person out rather than go and win the race. Uh, so I'm I'm going with checkers on this one. Ooh, ooh, boo! All right, next one we have Colt Nichols versus Christian Craig, then also versus Justin Cooper. Who finishes better in uh, in Houston? Checkers, uh, you have the floor. Well, I don't have to make too much of an argument for Justin Cooper other than he's a former Supercross champion, kicked some serious butt at Motocross of Nations, is coming in completely healthy on a 23 Yamaha that all of the 23 Yamahas that I've seen out there look absolutely incredible. Even the very, very sketchy Alex Ray looks really good on his Yamaha. So Justin Cooper, I think the bike will be good. I think he'll be consistent, but I don't have to argue for Justin Cooper. Here's what I can say. We watched Colt Nichols whole shot the first two races and go backwards outside of the top 10. Um, Anaheim won. The only reason he climbed back up was everybody else's mistakes. Justin Cooper's not making those mistakes. And then to go to Christian Craig, the dude hasn't broken the top 10 this year, hasn't been a factor in any of the races. I don't see that changing or improving at all. So I expect Justin Cooper to be in front of both of those guys. Well, that's just silly talk. You know me, Christian Craig, I've been trying to push this uh, Craig train all year long, all season long. Uh, he clearly has not been living up to my hype. But again, we talked about already, he's got three races under his belt. Nichols has zero. Craig is uh, faster than Nick or, or, or Cooper, Justin Cooper. Faster than Cooper, I think, period, on a Supercross track at any time of the day. Um, I think the fact that Craig is getting better each and every week, he got better in his practice. He got better in his heat race. He got better in his main event, which shockingly, I, we still have never really seen him on TV. Like he was in that all pink Fox gear. The, 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 the never saw it. Never saw it once. Never even spoke about Christian Craig. I don't think they don't usually practice. focus on 15th place riders, Denny. It Typically. Was, no. Uh, well, even if he was in practice, like everybody's talking about this pink gear on Twitter and stuff. And I'm like, I have someone show a picture of it. They won't even show him on TV. So Regardless I'm a Fox of, guy and I didn't like that stuff. It was pretty, it was pretty reddish pink, but regardless of the fact Craig has already got three races under his belt, despite the fact he's not happy at that Husqvarna, despite the fact I know that he gets a little bit head cased out. I think he's going to come in at, at another round going back East, as you said, getting out of that California environment, getting out of the pressure of having family in the stands, which he used to love on a TD class. But now that he's struggling a little bit, 
I see we I say we see Craig rebound to an eighth or ninth this weekend in Houston, and I still have Justin Cooper back in about twelfth. So uh, Christian Craig all day long in Houston ahead of the rookie of Justin Cooper. May I start off by saying that it is way too early for either one of you to be as drunk as you are right now with those picks, uh, because it clearly is Colt Nichols. It's the 2023 450 rookie of the year who is going to be in the friendly confines of a, of a racetrack uh, of NRG Stadium, not far from Oklahoma, where he's from going out east. I think that actually helps Colt Nichols going forward, looser soil. I think he's going to, that's going to have an uptick in his performance. I think he's going to be a top 10 guy. Uh, and honestly, like ne- neither one of uh, Justin Cooper or Christian Craig have shown me that they can run up there uh, recently. Anyway, of course, uh, Christian has top four finishes a long time ago on a Japanese manufacturer. So I'm going to go with Colt Nichols. I think, uh, I think he's feeling good. I think he's feeling froggy. And I think obviously, uh, they've figured some stuff out with that uh, with that Honda, and I have some faith in Shane Drew and everybody over at Honda. So uh, yeah, give give me some Colt Nichols, the 2023 450 Rookie of the Year. Well, we're still waiting for Colt's big crash, and I don't want to say that it's coming, but it, it eventually shows up sometime. You'll just keep waiting. You'll just have yeah. to keep waiting. I hope so because uh, I never want to see anybody get hurt. So I'll be waiting as long, but we'll be waiting for Craig to kick both their asses. Fair enough. All right. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm judging jury over here. So I said Colt Nichols. Um, <laughs> let's flip things over to Jeremy Martin and uh, and Jordan Smith. The battle of uh, a couple of guys who were probably born born uh, closer to ni- the 1990 championship that Denny won uh, than anyone else in this championship. Uh, Checkers, uh, who you got? Well, speaking of big crashes, you guys have watched Jordan Smith race before, right? It is go really fast, crash really hard. He's going to come in thinking that he's a title contender, which hasn't been the case in like five years since Ken Roxon's motorcycle was new. And last time I checked, Jeremy Martin raced two Supercrosses last year, both in the top five. One of them was a second. One was a fourth. J-Mart has been preparing and preparing and preparing over at Club MX, a lower pressure environment, a bigger chip on his shoulder, which makes him excel. Jeremy Martin absolutely beats Jordan Smith. Well, it's funny. I'm, I'm looking up the, either one of their ages. And of course, uh, I don't think either one were even born when I won my title in the 90s. So. No, they were not. <laughs> so we know they're younger I was than two. Jordan Smith was uh, 28. I think Jay Mart is, is closer to 30 uh, right now, born in 92, obviously. Um, so he was probably born uh, even after the fact as well. So uh, I think that Jordan Smith is still uh, a little bit more hungry. I think don't think he has as much to lose. He's a Supercross only rider. This is his only chance for himself to prove himself for the season. I don't see him running the outdoors for star. I, I don't believe Martin, I, again, is going back to uh, getting through the Supercross season healthy, uh, avoiding conflict, avoiding chaos, getting, avoiding getting jumped on. Jordan Smith, I think, is a faster, better Supercross rider all around, even though we have not seen him really do much last few years. I think the, the advantage of being on star is going to get him out front. He's going to see the faster pace quicker. Um, I'm going Jordan Smith because I think, again, it's do or die for him right now. Um, J-Mart has the summer to look forward to. Jordan Smith needs to get paid now, and that includes getting on the podium, top fives. So I have Jordan Smith about fourth to fifth in this at, at Houston. I have uh, – while I have uh, J-Mart about seventh and eighth, not far behind, but George Smith gets the, gets the best of uh, the old man, J-Mart. 
See, I, I like Jordan Smith. He's, he's a friend. He's, he's been on the podcast multiple times. Uh, I need to see it from him. I've, I've at least seen top five speed and finishes uh, from Jeremy Martin in the last few years. Have not seen that from Jordan Smith. So until I see it, I got to go with Jordan or uh, uh, Jeremy Martin on that one. Um, let's flip things over to the, the, the battle of the, of the, of the initials. AC versus AP. Uh, who finishes better in Houston? Let's go uh, straight to Debo. Well, the one thing with those two you can be sure about, one's going to start up here, and the other one's going to start back here. And about halfway through, they'll meet each other. And obviously, you guys got me with AC this time, so i got to argue the fact that AC is not going to meet AP in the middle about 8th or ninth. They're going to wait till about rat lap 20, 22 and AC is going to hold off Aaron Plessinger. I think Adam's doing great. Um, we are, I'm a little disappointed. Most people can say we're a little disappointed in the fact it's just bummed to see him getting such great starts and fading back. Um, I still say that AP should have never left the blue team to go to the orange team. I think he looks still uncomfortable on that bike. He's way too big for that motorcycle. Speaking of big AC looks a lot more comfortable on the Kawasaki, even though he is fading back each week, he's getting better and better. Um, the simple fact that AC starts a good 12, 10 to 12 riders ahead of uh, Plessinger, I think it's going to be a huge advantage in Houston. I think the track to be a little bit easier without it breaking down, as we've seen in the California softer rounds, and uh, which benefits Plessinger, obviously. When the ruts get deeper, uh, the track becomes a little bit more technical. I think AC's technique, uh, off-road uh, talents come into uh, play. I don't think we'll see that in Houston. I think we'll be able to see Adam be able to breathe a little bit, let go of the handlebars a little bit, feel more comfortable with the track running up. And I have AC beating Plessinger very closely, though. I have AC around eighth, and I have Plessinger around ninth. It's going to be tight. What do you think, Chex? Well, I guess you probably didn't see this, but um, Aaron Plessinger is fighting for a ride right now. He's fighting for a career. And you know who isn't fighting? Adam Ciancerillo. Yes, he's getting good starts, but he didn't fight for a single position at Anaheim too. He literally was pulling over, letting guys by. He let Cooper Webb ride around the outside of him in a corner. He couldn't have gotten more out of the way for guys. So here's the thing. If you're going to start at the front of the field, usually you can stay there because you battle for a position, make guys work to get around you, make them make mistakes. And it creates a, a buffer of guys between you and the guys that don't start by you. AP has been fighting his butt off. He's shown some actual real speed this year that he didn't have last year. The bike is obviously way better. Him and Webb both look much better in the whoops than they did last year. Um, Aaron Plessinger is on his way up. AC, he doesn't have any heart out there right now, and he might be just trying to get through the season healthy, but you can't just pull over for everybody. Just hold your line and ride your race. Stay in your comfort zone. I'm fine with that, but literally pulling over and letting guys go around the inside of you, letting Cooper Webb rail around the outside of you, that is not the sign of a guy that is going to beat somebody that is fighting for a ride. Aaron Plessinger will be AC in Houston. Let me just give beep, you the points right now. Plessinger's 45th. Plessinger's got 45 points in eighth. Sincerello's got 43 points in ninth. They basically swapped. AC position. has been in reverse all year long. Yeah, but he's still he's still beaten Plessinger in one of the three rounds, only finished once behind him at round two and two spots behind him at round three. Sincerello's getting better each round. Plessinger, I think we've seen what we can get. Again, the smoother, less not smoother track, but less rutted track benefits Sincerello. So I'm going to get one last jab in here. And uh, no matter how bad he fades, 
he's going to start so much more further ahead than Plessinger. I still got AC beating him, and he's already beaten one out of these three rounds. And he's there are two of them, like I said, are neck and neck. It's going to be a close battle, but fuck checkers. I'm getting this round. <laughs> oh, I like that, that uh, Denny's starting to get heated up here. Uh, honestly, I'm going to give the nod to AP. He's been uh, he's been on the rise, and like I said, AC has been going backwards. Uh, better days ahead for both guys, but uh, yeah, I got to go with the guy who's who's showing a little bit more signs of life. Let's go to one uh, one of my f- uh, favorite matchups. Uh, we have the elder statesman, who I believe is even uh, like Chris Blows isn't as old as me, but he's damn close. Um, and and then you have a kid who I believe is seventeen, Hayden Deegan. Uh, checkers, I'll throw this over to you. Uh, near and dear to your heart, and he is also a uh, um, a service center, a, a race tech service center owner, Chris Blows. That's right. Blos is going to put down the wrenches and pick up the throttle and definitely crush Hayden Deegan at this first race. Here's the reasons why. It's the first round of 250 East. We watch guys go absolutely psycho at this race all the time, especially with all these rookies in there, especially with all the Deegan hype. Hayden's going to be all over the place. He's going to be one of the guys ping-ponging off of tough blocks. Is he super fast? Is he super talented? Does he have a bright future? The answer is yes to all of those. But at a first race, you also have to realize not only do you have the veteran experience of Chris Blows, a super long whoop section when there's very few guys that can be faster than Chris Blows in the whoops, period, unless your name's Christian Craig on a 250. And then you also throw in the fact the excitement of finally being on a factory motorcycle 17 years after you make your debut. You finally get to ride that factory motorcycle. You don't think that he's going to pull a whole shot on that dang thing and run up front and be solid because that's exactly what he's going to do when everybody else is making mistakes around him, including Hayden Deegan. Absolutely, Chris Blos beats Deegan at this first race. Man, I'm surprised you didn't get cell service clear the fuck out there in Pluto on that tank. I mean, geez, Louise, man. Holy <laughs> shit. Let's just go over these little simple facts. And we don't have to talk about facts, because I know you love talking about numbers, numbers, numbers. Chris Blos hasn't even been on a bike. He's been in retirement mode for the last two months. He's already told everyone he wasn't planning on racing, wasn't going to ride the AGE uh, gas gas. And what has Deegan been doing every single day for the last six fucking months is battling with the rest of his star teammates, learning, riding, battling nonstop. He already has one Supercross under his belt, which is a chaotic futures, but still he turned the second fastest lap time of the night and the second fastest time in the very last lap when he and took us fifth. Again, it's the futures. It was a meaningless race, one race under his belt. I think that does uh, light years for, for Hayden. Hayden is the future. Blos is fantastic. I'm so happy for him to get this opportunity. I think you have a secret man crush on him. I don't know if you have a photo of him in your, like in your wallet or something or on your phone. It might be on your, on your phone saver screen. Uh, I hope Jen knows about this little weirdness you two got going on, but uh, much respect to, for Blos and this huge opportunity. But again, he's only been on that bike, I think maybe a couple of weeks due to the, the recent injuries of pro circuit. Hayden's been motoring on these star bikes. Um, I just cannot see Hayden blowing this opportunity. Not that he's going to blow it no matter what, because it's only his first race, but he's sure the hell is not going to beat by someone that's about as old enough to be his dad. So it's not going to happen. All Hayden Deegan at this opener in Houston. Well, let me just tell you, though, that it hasn't just been one week on the bike because before Mumford got the call, there was a very good opportunity that Blos was going to get that phone call for that fill-in. So the training started then and the riding started then. Also, the last time that he rode in a race situation was on a Kawasaki KX250. And if you don't recall, he was dominating the Paris Supercross. He did have a fall on the last night, but he was winning. And here's the thing. Yeah, Hayden might have been riding. I guarantee Chris has more laps around a Supercross trap 
times a hundred. When oh, you've no. done it that many times, you can do it in your sleep. It comes back very fast and it hasn't been that long. He absolutely will be just fine. And let's be real. The last five minutes of the moto aren't going to matter because Hayden's probably going to be picking his bike up out of the tough blocks at some point, And Chris will not. I love the fact that you just skated right over the fact that the very last time we saw Chris Close on a motorcycle was going ass over tea kettle in a section of whoops, which you said he's the while best winning in, while winning even, but he crashed his ass off. Uh, I hate to even throw that out there because he, it was an outstanding ride. I think we all felt the disappointment that he didn't get a chance to win that Prince of Mercy or Prince of Paris, but you cannot skate over that. The last time we saw him was him going ass over tea kettle on that Kawasaki in a section of whoops. Hayden Deegan. Throw the that was not a factory, Kawasaki. This Get a spaceship back to Earth. Enjoy Pluto while you're there. <laughs> Honestly, I, I want to see both these guys on the podium, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, what I would love to see, though, for, for so many people that like, because there's a ton of hate that comes along with uh, Hayden Deegan. He's the one of the most polarizing uh, athletes in the sport right now. You either love him or absolutely hate him. I would love to see him shut up a bunch of those uh, those haters online and just go out there and ride a super solid race, top four finish or something along those lines would be absolutely unreal. Uh, so I'm in I'm in the Deegan uh, camp for this weekend. I think I think that would be fantastic for the sport. And uh, I also hope that these two guys do battle uh, at some point down the line, uh, maybe even this weekend. Uh, second last one, we we have a request on uh, YouTube Live for uh, an, an extra versus question. So we're going to throw a hot one in there right after this one. But uh, let's go with uh, a couple of guys who um, I'd imagine probably like, I'm, I'm actually surprised these guys haven't had more battles in the past, um, especially given the fact that one of them doesn't always get the best of starts uh, and the other one is quite good at them. Uh, Justin Barsha. Dylan Ferrandis, a couple of guys who are very aggressive. Debo, who's going to finish better in Houston? Well, they're currently sixth and seventh in points. Ferrandis is sixth, Barsha is seventh. Um, and did you see some of the chaos of that last round with Barsha again? You know, oh man, he gets first, he goes down a corner, then then him and Wilson almost collide over one of the doubles, comes out of the corner, they clean almost cleans out uh, Sabachi. Bam Bam, I'm going to go so as far as to say Bam Bam actually puts Frandis on his ass, just knocks him down to take the win because he knows that, that he has the chance to, to, to propel my victory over checkers in this argument here, that Frandis is, is, is learning more and more, but Barsha is still Barsha. Uh, I see Barsha getting a top five start, running solid up in top five. I see Frandis getting a 10th place start and finishing about seventh or eighth. Um, Barsha all day long. And again, if he has to come to the pack, I could see it, if Brandis maybe tries to pass Barsha, Brandis is going to have in, in, in cheap seats row two. And uh, it's all bam, bam, number 51 in the Houston NRG Stadium. Checkers, kiss my ass. Well, I can tell you the only bike that's maybe looked worse than Kenny Suzuki did at the first two rounds is Barsha's Gas Gas. That thing was kicking side to side, and it wasn't just bouncing off of other riders. It was all by himself. I don't know how he kept that thing under him as much as he has. And also, if you look, he hasn't had that much speed this year. The fact that his results have been decent is simply because he starts up front and everybody's scared to go around him or he's putting their asses <laughs> on the ground when they are. He has not looked good at all. Um, the Props to him for getting the results that he had. But here's the thing. We already talked about it earlier. The track's going to open up a little bit, allow Ferrandis' speed to start to shine. Again, his starts have been better. Ferrandis' building, that 23 Yamaha, is a much better bike than the gas gas right now. Absolutely. Hands down. You cannot argue that in comfort, a little bit of confidence and consistency and better starts are going to propel Dylan Ferrandez to be in front of Justin Barsha and Barsha isn't going to be able to run him over if he can't catch him. 
Well, uh, I'll be the tiebreaker on this one. I think I think uh, I think it's going to be Barsha. I think Barsha, um, the starts alone are something that uh, allows me to think that uh, he's going to be up front more consistently. And uh, th- this track map d- does going to look like it's going to be difficult to pass on, especially in. I could see Barsha sending uh, Dylan Ferranis into the cheap seats, especially in that uh, that sand that sand corner right after the finish line. That is going to be uh, a hot spot for some carnage. Um, Last versus question. I don't know how serious of a question this really is, but these guys both have a lot of talent and have a propensity to uh, create some fireworks if need be. Uh, but uh, and you guys can decide who you're going to pick. We this, this isn't like a, a predetermined thing or whatsoever. But Hardy Munoz versus AJ Catanzaro. Go Debo. Oh, I'm going Hardy Munoz all day long. Uh, simple fact that he's he's actually been making mains recently, or at least last season. AJ's a great rider, very technical, great speaker, uh, great coach. Hardy Munoz is fucking balls to the wall. I'm sorry, another F-bomb, but he is crazy. He will stick that front end anywhere and knock you down. He'll move people out of his way. Uh, whether or not at pure speed, Hardy's faster than AJ, I believe, uh, on pure uh, race car. I think AJ's a little bit much better, but when it comes down to just sometimes getting that main event, you got to get a good start, drop the hammer, not worry about what you're doing and, and your position on the bike and just get the job done. I have Hardy Munoz get, making the main event this weekend at Houston. Uh, I do not have AJ making the main event. So I, I go all in on Hardy Munoz on that, on that comparison. Uh, a solid comparison is two polar opposites of riding style. I know where uh, Chex is going. Polar opposites is is definitely right. Let me tell you a little story. Last year at the Minneapolis Supercross, I decided to play mechanic for Devin Raper and pitted right across from us at the 250 East opener was Hardy Munoz on his privateer Kawasaki. And let me just tell you, after every single practice session, his bike came back and they literally had two bikes down to the frame in the pit area inside the stadium where the pits were freaking two miles away because it was so cold out. Everyone's down in the basement because he absolutely cartwheeled over and over and over. Yeah. He absolutely will pin it and go for it. But in order to beat Kent Zari, he has to finish the race and that means surviving practice. And here's the thing that you also maybe didn't know. I've watched Kent Zaro show up to Supercrosses, actually to Houston when it was round number two and he had ridden Supercross two times, once the Wednesday before Anaheim won and once at Anaheim won, and he put the bike in the 450 Supercross main at Houston. He has now been down training with the Lawrence brothers. He has a little bit of support backdoor from Honda, nothing crazy. It's still a privateer program, but he has a solid program. He has the financial backing because of his business to have a solid program to be on a dirt bike. He's putting some more effort than I've ever seen him put in, and he is one of the most talented riders out there in the field. He also mentally, he's not going to make the big mistakes. He's not going to fold it at opening round pressure because he doesn't have to rely on this as his job. So AJ Cantzaro probably puts in one of his better supercross rides ever, especially with his depleted field and absolutely beats Munoz because I don't see Munoz getting across the finish line with the motorcycle in one piece. Did, didn't Munoz race last year with an all black, like an all black helmet, I think, wasn't it? I mean, it was, it was something that he made him so stand out that when he was just dive bombing everybody, you knew exactly who it was. You didn't have to look for his number. I believe it was number 99 last year. Uh, and in and, and debate as well, I think AJ is a much better 450 rider than he is a 250 rider. Uh, either way, I think both riders will bring us a lot of entertainment, uh, both on and off the track. So a, a good a good comparison, whoever uh, uh, asked that question. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, that's, that was from Ian on YouTube Live. Oh, all right, now it's... Hardy, Hardy's one of his riders in, his, in our draft leagues. That's why he's he's pushing for Munoz. <laughs> yes, yes, he's flying that flag. It's time to debate with Debo. 
Denny, four riders are making their Supercross debut on factory equipment this weekend. Which rider has the best debut and what rider will have the greatest motocross and Supercross career when they all retire? Deegan, Hymas, Hawkins, or Vial? Wow, that's a uh, quite a, uh, a list. you going to use your crystal ball on this one. A couple questions. Well, uh, I'm going to go to each one here. I'm going to start with Hymas. He has the most Supercross uh, experience as far as racing than any of these four, more than Deegan, who has one, Hawkins, who has one, and Viale, who has basically no Supercross experience, even though he's a two-time world champion. Uh, Chance has by far the most uh, uh, experience with a uh, Futures win last year, uh, Futures title, some great experience on the bike. I don't think he quite has the speed. Uh, I was very disappointed in, in his Loretta Lynn's performance, although that's just one week and it's not Supercross. I don't think I was just really didn't blow me away with it. Deegan, I think, as I've said in the past, he has been pretty much born on the Supercross track. I think his mom gave birth uh, right down out there back in the Temeca Wine Valley on the track. And I think he will be have a much better debut this weekend just for the simple fact that I think he just is a better Supercrosser, more technical, more muscle memory, as you spoke of earlier. Uh, Hawkins. I really don't know what to think of him yet. You know, he had some decent, uh, it was another rider that Loretta Lins I thought was very uh, underwhelming. He did not put in very good rides with the good rides he had. He, he faded in um, again, Supercross completely different. He rode pretty well at Glen Helen, at, or not Glen Helen, I'm sorry, Pala at the last national. I don't see him lighting the world on fire. He rode, rode pretty well at uh, the futures, but also made some mistakes at the end and faded. So I have him, eh, Viale, two-time world champion. We know the guy can ride a motorcycle. Uh, as far as having the best career, I think Viale's already has one. I don't think anyone in, in this list quite other than maybe Deegan will ever match that type of a success unless Deegan gets a couple of outdoor titles. Uh, Viale, again, though, there has a lot to be said. We've seen some world champions come over here and struggle mightily in, in Supercross. Albertine, Tortelli, um, he doesn't have the French uh, Supercross background that Frandis had and Bowman had and Marvin had. Uh, so I'm thinking that Viale will probably finish behind Deegan and Hymas, I believe. I believe I have Viale about 10th, I have Deegan about 5th, and I have Hymas about 7th, and I have Hawkins about 15th. So that's just for Houston. And for the career, I have Viale having probably still having the best career just because he's already got two world champions under his belt. He's a phenomenal rider. He could have an outdoor title under his belt leaving this at the end of the summer. Uh, I'm hoping he stays healthy for that. Deegan will have obviously the most entertaining, overwhelming, uh, underwhelming uh, old guys being mean just because they're old and jealous. And uh, but I think Deegan will have probably one of the most entertaining careers. And the other two, Hawkins and Hymas, I just hope they have a successful career, make some money and have a good a good one. I really don't see a big future for either one of them outside of um, these initial first years and, and being a career to you guys. That's just me, though. Well, sure enough, that you're wrong again. As usual, Denny's wrong. And. Remember when I told you about the track map and the super long loop section? Do you also remember back to Supercross Futures last year, who was the only rider that could actually get through the whoops consistently? Chance Hymas. I'm telling you, he's on a program. He's been set. You know, he's been surrounded by the Lawrence brothers and guided and with really no pressure from Honda, but he's showing some really good Supercross skills. I think he's coming in here really calm, and that's going to relate to a really good Houston, especially when he's the only guy that, out of all these young kids that actually knows how to ride a set of whoops. Um, I see Deegan struggling a little bit because of just a lot of its size and strength and age a little bit. You know, he looked good until the whoops got beat down at A2. And the fact is, again, he's coming in with all this pressure. Um, and 
I think you're totally underestimating Vial of gradually building through into this Supercross season. Um, he is a world champion. That means he knows how to deal with pressure. This is a high pressure race. I mean, you do remember back to the years of half the field laying in turn number one because the kids go in there like idiots because of round one of East. They've been sitting here watching the West guys battle. It's all this anticipation. So Hymas finishes better than Vial, who finishes better than Deegan. And Hawkins, I have no idea where he's going to fall in. He wasn't expecting to be racing this race a week ago. Um, You've been on record many times saying how you don't believe in the bike in the Rockstar Husky program. So I don't know how you expect him to, as a young rookie, to deal with that, not knowing how to develop the motorcycle. Um, but then on the, the career side of things, have you seen Hayden Deegan ride a supercross track? The dude is full of talent and skill, and there is no more prestigious championship in the world of dirt bikes than a supercross championship. And Hayden Deegan is a fantastic supercross rider. He's going to win supercross titles and he will leave with the better career out of all these guys. You just locked up that cause you're out there in Pluto, man. You must have really bad service. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, Hayden Deegan is a fantastic supercross rider. He is, totally. And that's the most prestigious that's title. That's what matters. Not a 250 title. Two titles are worthless, but uh, yeah, when it comes to Supercross. But uh, he's gonna be, he's good. But we agree, Hawkins is gonna is gonna do the, probably the least of these four. Hymas, as far as you know, I don't know. We'll see. I think in, in terms of Hymas or in terms of Hawkins, I think ignorance is bliss. I think this kid is just gonna like he's just gonna go out there and ride. I, I don't think he's gonna fight the bike whatsoever. Um, it won't be until maybe year two, year three, when he starts to really sort of like try and push the envelope with the bike. And then uh, maybe that's some issues there, but uh, um, I think he's just going to be soaking it up this weekend. Well, yeah, we'll see. That's a great thing about this East, you know, just trying to figure out our motor X dream teams, uh, you know, mxt360.com. I came and began to wonder where, you know, before seeing lap times or anything, and then we're going to see lap times, we're going to be more thrown off. So, you know, nothing better than the first round of any series of any event because all these guys, all these kids think that they're going to run top five. No one's gotten beat into submission. Yet. No one's gotten used to where they're supposed to be. They're all full of piss and vinegar and ready to drop the gate. And as Checker said about Viale and all the kids going down and Viale getting and skating from that, I see his lack of experience in Supercross to get him collected in one of those events very easily, put himself in a situation he's not used to. And uh, that's where I see that. So, yeah. Good, good comparison though. Good foursome. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's keep let's dream on and head on over to a little bit of fantasy talk. Um, and I, I know that Checkers is grinning ear to ear now because he's he's way out ahead of both me and Denny, and especially when it comes to MXD three sixty. Um, but I think I'm still leading the points on our our draft league. But I we'll, it, we'll talk about it in a second here when I have to completely replace my two fifty East team. Um, but, uh, yeah, let, let's, let's talk about this a little, a little bit Debo. Uh, we'll need an update on the standings of this, uh, of our draft, uh, league and teams here. Well, we got, uh, checkers is doing quite well. It's only, it's only fantasy game. I think he's doing with the shit in and he is literally kicking my ass. I've done atrocious in these first two rounds. Um, I've never done this bad in my own game ever. And I'm just getting my ass kicked. I don't even know where I like, I picked my team last week. I just was like, man, I'll just try something different. It did not work. I am back behind the three, the two of us. I'm the 298 points. I'm only two points behind you, Brad. And you've never even played this damn game, which that's really embarrassing. Checkers uh, has admittedly been struggling with MXD 360 in the salary format. 
Uh, he does better in some of the other games where they, they don't use salary and checkers admittedly has struggled. He's done really. He's top really, 50. Yeah. He's doing really well. He is 345 points. He's already nearly uh, two main events ahead of me. Um, as far as points go, it's been a struggle. And I think this East will even be more interesting. Uh, the fact that uh, we already discussed it. It's just me kind of picking out where I think they're going to start the season. So that's kind of how the salaries are based. Uh, I may have underwhelmed a couple of riders, even Hawkins. I have them pretty, pretty, uh, pretty affordable right now. This is going to be a challenge week four, round four, race four, not round five people. We are, uh, we are looking forward to some pretty exciting racing and, and Moto Extreme 360 will create even more havoc. It'll have you throw in a remote control, have you cussing the TV, have you leaving the room, maybe go outside, take a lap around the house. I've had to do that a couple of times this season already. Uh, what do you guys think? Who are some of your guys you guys going to be picking for this weekend? Well, before we get to that, we need to do our, our waiver wire order. Like I, I get to go second third and fourth because i'm replacing my entire 250 east team uh but checkers uh you're on the docket to replace swole who are you going with well i really have the option to pick between hayden deegan tom vial um jay sowen and um how about max anstey um max I believe anstey. He's available. you're gonna go with max anstey Hey, I think that's that's the guy. You know what? He's been a great 450 rider. He looked awesome in those World Supercross rounds. He decided to go east to be more ready with the team. Um, so I think the team and program should be a little bit more set up and, and kind of rolling. So I'm going to take Anstey to be a little bit more consistent. Um, it kills me not picking Chris Blos because I'm a huge Blos fan. But I think Max Anstey is going to be the surprise of 250 East for a lot of people that aren't putting him up towards the front of the pack. I think he'll be right around that fifth place finish a lot. And if I can get points for that, um, I'm actually replacing Jalik Swole with Anstey. And I would have rather had Anstey in the first place. Um, when we did this the first time, we thought Anstey was going to go west. So uh, Max Anstey will replace Jalik Swole for me and team up with the veteran duo on Yamaha's Jeremy Smith and or uh, Jeremy Martin and Jordan Smith. Yeah before, yeah, before we go on, yeah, let me just explain real quick. If you haven't paying attention, this was just a quick draft game that I created with some other friends in a couple other different leagues. Uh, the three of us did it together. We hired, we drafted four 450 riders, three 250 West riders, and three 250 East riders. You could try take any rider at any time you wanted. Uh, and then as a rider got injured and was out, you could replace them on an injury wire, uh, waiver wires, I called it, or we call it. And uh, that goes in pretty much if you're last place, you get to go first, uh, very similar to if you play fantasy football, something like that. And uh, already Checkers' team has been pretty much, he's taken an injury at every round. He's already got Marvin, who's been out. He's had Stewart, who's now out. He had Forkner, who went out. And now he's got Swole, who goes out. He's got more red on my spreadsheet for him than he does regular numbers because of all the replacements he's had to do. But the fortunate thing with there only being three of us is there still some good riders to be chosen, to be drafted, to be picked up, to replace? In some of our other leagues, we got 11-man uh, league going in a 10-man league. And pretty much that means that 22 riders from each class have already been taken. So you can imagine trying to find uh, some riders in that one. Now we have Brad. Brad's going to line up for the 250 East, and all three of his riders go down before the season even starts. He is our points leader right now. He's won round one. He's won round three over me, kicked me and Checkers' ass. I got in a round two victory. I am second point. Checkers is in third. That's why he got to go first in the waiver wire. But, yes, Mr. Brad, big MX, Canadian man, take off your hoser. He's got to replace Hammaker, Shimoda, and Marchbanks. 
which doesn't really, uh, you know, fortunately there's some riders that he's got to fulfill, but I'm thinking this points lead is going down the toilet and he is going to be struggling to fulfill those three solid spots with three waiver wire picks. Brad, who are you going to be starting off these uh, this picks with and who are you be placing? Obviously, Checkers just took, took Ansi, which great point to Checkers because he was actually very frustrated. He didn't get Ansi in the first time, the first draft round. And when he switched to East, uh, which the fact that he took over his buddy blows, I don't know if this is going to cause breakup in the, in the relationship, <laughs> maybe a little discourse. I don't know if you can get a Matt. You might not get a Christmas card this year, but uh, where are we at, Brad? Who are you going with? I'm going to go with the elder statesman on the pro circuit Kawasaki. Obviously I already had two pro circuit Kawasaki, so I might as well uh, triple down and, and get a third one. So give me Chris Blos, uh, give me chance Hymas and give me Dave, danger boy Deegan. Uh, like I know Hymas is, isn't racing all of them. So actually maybe not. Let's not go that way. Let's go. Blos, Vial, and Deegan. That th- those guys. I'm going to be re- probably replacing Vial when he uh, hits the deck at some point. Uh, but uh, either way, give me those three. Give me uh, give me Blos, Vial, and uh, and Deegan. Um, I'm 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 disappointed in myself, and I'm going to uh, more than likely relinquish my points lead. But uh, it was good while it lasted here in round five. You just took Hymas off, who will definitely be racing all the rounds when he gets a top five this weekend. Maybe, maybe, uh, but like I'll, I'll probably still get an opportunity to replace uh, Vial with him uh, when Vial goes flipping off of into into the cheap seats. Um, let's let's flip things over to the uh, our, our MX Moto X Dream 360.com MX. 360.com is where you need to go and sign up. You can still sign up for the uh, Storm Lake Honda. Um, the league and uh, and get yourself in to win uh, a, I believe it's a CRF 110 as well as a set of uh, of Jeremy McGrath's gear. Is that correct, Denny? Absolutely, autograph. All you do is get signed up. You have put your name in the entry list. Uh, it's basically like a raffle. Keep everybody interested. You don't have to be a, a fantasy Supercross uh, wizard. You have a chance to win McGrath's autographed gear um, from the man, the king himself, uh, the legendary the friend of mine. Very awesome that he's so uh, willing and, and, uh, and generous with his gear. And he we, uh, will be giving away a set to at the end in a raffle drawing at the very end of Salt Lake City. Just get signed up and your name will be in the list. All right. So I'll give you guys my winning team and you guys can tell me why I'm dead wrong. I'm going to go with Hawkins because uh, Denny faded him big time on the $250,000 price tag. Um, I actually have him placing ahead of Preston Kilroy, uh, who I also took for a bargain price of $285,000. Give me Hayden Deegan. He's uh, he's a little bit expensive, but I think he's going to outperform what Denny thinks he's going to do. Plus he's in red. Uh, so if he's in the top 10, I get double points. Um, and then give me Lawrence because I saved some money on those other guys. 450 class. Give me Shane McElrath. He gets better every single weekend, even though he seems to uh, love to be in those LCQ. Extra t- track time. Why not? Uh, Justin Hill uh, seems to be riding himself into shape. Plus, his talent is is undeniable. He's he's just floating around that 12, 13 spot. Justin Cooper, uh, welcome to Big MX Radio's uh, MXD360 team. And because I saved so much money on those other bargain picks, I was able to go with Eli Tomac uh, at $806,000. So I got the two guys that are probably going to win this race this weekend uh, on my team. You guys can go. And uh, uh, I still got $39,000 left to go, boys. 
Go ahead, well, I'm not Chinese. sure if you knew, but I'm I'm beating you guys in this game. Coming off a fresh <laughs> top 10 overall finish. Absolutely destroying you at the last round. Um, started by looking at the 250 East because that's where the most... Uh, the biggest bargains will come in be, just because we don't have the data on the, on everybody for the season yet. So there's a chance that there's guys that are very undervalued. And I found a couple guys that I believe will be in the main event for very, very cheap. Um, one of them we talked about earlier, AJ Cantanzaro, a whole $31. If, if he gets in the main event, I could see him getting around a 12th to 15th place finish. And for $31, that's a great bargain. Opens up the 250 class. I also currently on my team for $9 have Luke Neese. Um, I've seen him a little bit preseason doing some arena cross stuff and whatnot, looking very fast. I expect him to be a main event guy. Um, that one might change just because having two guys that aren't going to score a lot of points is a little bit tough. Although I was able to stack the top with um, Hunter Lawrence and Michael Moseman. A couple other guys that I'm strongly looking at are Michael Hicks and Cody Shock. Um, they're both fairly cheap. Um, if shock hasn't raced, you know, it's, he was injured pretty much all of last year, but he was really coming onto his own. He's been on that Honda now for a long time. Um, he's settled into his team now and Hicks has been an absolute hitman at the arena cross stuff. Um, even beating Kyle Peters, who is an absolute savage at everything he races. Um, so there's a chance that I might slide them into the teams. I'll probably look, you know, after practice and see where the value, um, for those guys are don't count out Caden Braswell. He was your Horizon Award winner. We haven't seen him on Supercross much, but definitely maybe underrated a little bit. Um, I will be staying far away from Hardy Munoz because I can't afford him on my team in just as much as he won't be able to afford to replace all the parts on his bike. Um, so those guys are definitely the guys that I'm I'm looking at. Um, and I filled out my 250 team with the guys who I think will be first and second at the end of the night. Um, with Hunter Lawrence and Michael Moseman. Um, obviously, Thrasher is definitely in the mix as well. I think it's worth spending on those guys because I expect all them to be on the podium at the end of the night, um, just because the the top of the field really is depleted with all those injuries now. Um, I, you know, we've been joking about the 250 East being super deep, but, I mean, there's been a huge injury hit there. And so no longer going for, going for the guys that are that are protect, going for retirement money with Jeremy Martin and Jordan Smith. Um, you got to go with Moseman, Thrasher, or Lawrence. Um, and I have Smith and Martin in my draft league, and I can't have them in both. So when they grenade themselves, I'm not screaming as much. Debo, who do you have for 250s? You know, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm trying anything right now. I'm trying different, uh, you know, it's a great thing is even the more difficult thing. You can't just replace one rider with another rider with MXD 360 because of their salary base. And when all of a sudden you change the salary, all of a sudden you can't out four to different guys. So, I'm currently just been struggling to fill a team. I have six riders right now on my team and $238,000 to fill those last two spots. But I'm liking going top heavy, especially in the 450. I got, I'm trying to go with Tomac for the first time this season. I'm trying to change things up. I got Roxon because I think he's going to finish top five. I still think he's a good value. Uh, over on the 250 class, I got Thrasher and Anstey. I see both those guys running top five. Um, I like you with, I like your suggestion of Caden Braswell. I also have him on my team. And, uh, you know, I do. I think I maybe undervalued Taylor Talon Hawkins as well. And I have him on my my first draft team as well. Um, a couple of riders I was interested in, you guys, we haven't really talked about the fact that who someone who did race and uh, was good at Loretta's has raced. Uh, the future's already in the in the past is um, Mr. Gage Linville. What do you think of him? I mean, I think he's got a good chance at, uh, to get in that podium and at only. 
$71,000, he's quite a value checkers. What do you think of Gage? Uh, just to go throw it to you, because you, you followed amateur riding. What do you think is his future in Supercross? You know, I've been super impressed with Linville as, as an amateur standout. He was always the guy that was right behind the factory guys. And I always liked those guys when they turned pro because they faced adversity and they're going to fight. Um, they aren't, they aren't the prima donnas that have been spoiled their whole lives and don't know how to take on adversity. Um, I believe Linville is on the Phoenix Honda team. So he actually has really good support as well. Um, the reason that I've really kind of maybe have overlooked him is I believe that he's raced some off seasons like arena cross stuff and whatnot, and didn't, didn't catch my eye at all and didn't perform at the front of the field. So maybe I'm overlooking him because I'm looking too much at what he's done recently versus what he's done as a body of his career. And also being on a good team with good support should help him because he's probably the best programs he's ever been on. Um, so maybe look at practice times for him. He's very fast. So I would expect if he's going to do well, you'll see it right away in time qualifying. And also you did not uh, mention your rider, AJ Cantazero. He is a discount at $31. So uh, I did another rider to look for and, and one of your favorites. What about also, we haven't really talked about the fact that Preston Kilroy, I, I did not, was not able to really see any Supercross previous results with him. He's on the stuff, uh, on the new bike uh, uh, for, for club. What do you think you're going to see out of Preston Kilroy? And do you think he's a good value at 285,000? Is that a little high for this OP round? Well, one thing to keep in mind is that Preston Kilroy was already on the Yamaha and training at Club MX before this opportunity. So clearly they saw something in him of he will be a good fit for their program. And it looks like their eye for talent has been pretty dang good with the Enzo Lopes pickup and that side of things and what they've grown him into. So, I mean, I definitely think he's a strong look. He was a very good amateur. Even on a Suzuki, he was very good. So imagine what he can do on a Yamaha. I mean, it's it's one of those things like, we can tell you picks now and like guys to look at and maybe shorten your list a little bit before practice times, but with no super cross experience, you're just throwing darts at a wall a little bit and trying to pick who's going to stay up. And with Kilroy at least has a little bit of professional racing experience. So maybe that'll benefit him as well. He should have a pretty solid team around him. That's used to working with young talent as well. And I think that's something that's key. You know, a lot of these factory teams, they, they're used to winning right away and maybe not molding the young talent so much. Whereas the club team, they've had to build talent instead of just hiring talent. And let's throw it to you, Brad, in the 450 class, we've got Joey Savacci, a very, very expensive $741,000 because he's ran basically three tenths. So he's still at the cusp of a top 10 guy. He's 11th in points. He's very expensive. I know you kind of loaded up on some of the cheaper guys uh, who are hot, uh, more affordable, let's say Colt Nichols, Craig Cooper are in there. Brad, who is somebody you think in the 450 class, even Dean Wilson, who has a chance of maybe getting top 10, who has yet to get a top 10 finish? You think Nichols will get pop one off in Houston, Craig, Cooper, Wilson, maybe even Chisholm. Will we see something better out of Chisholm on his damn Suzuki? What do you think, Brad? I think the Chiz is... Chiz is going to Chiz. He's going to stay right where he's, he's sort of been. His last his last position is 17th. I, I saw him see him. like I think his high watermark for the year is probably like a 14th, uh, maybe a 13th at the very end of the season when things are really, really uh, um, depleted. But uh, honestly, I, I like Justin, J- Justin Hill uh, to get like be right in close to the top 10. I think Colton Nichols is going to be a top 10 guy uh, this weekend. One guy that is a huge uh, bargain right now and is currently leading in the, uh, the Publimex privateer point or like, yeah, the, 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 uh, the privateer ranks is $13 for Chase Marquier. Um, he's, he's right on the cusp. He's finished uh, like just off, uh, off the mark in a bunch of LCQs uh, for $13. Like I just put like, 
I put Chase Marquet almost in the same conversation as as Alex Ray, and Alex Ray's seventeen thousand dollars is literally seventeen. That he's ten a thousand times more expensive than Chase Marquier. So you might have uh be able to sneak in and, and get some cheap points there, uh, or maybe a point or two. Um, but honestly, I, I think that uh the guy who's going to surprise the most amount of people this weekend is Colt Nichols. Five hundred thousand dollars, five hundred and eighty-four thousand dollars is uh is a is a bit steep. Uh, but obviously it's I he's I think he's a great bargain. Uh I think he's gonna be inside the top ten and he's gonna get you some serious points. Well said. Yeah. Anybody still between either one of you? Will we see Dean Wilson in the top 10 within the next two or three rounds? No. So, so if I've been the races that I've been watching, there's a really big gap though, um, between like where Dean Wilson and Justin Hill are, um, comparatively to where Christian Craig is right outside the top 10. Um, you were asking about Savachi. I would have to stay away from that just because he's barely been inside the top 10 and he's running 10, 10, really 10 well, for 11th overall in points. solid, but there's, there's just so much risk there with that much expense for him. And if he doesn't get that 10 point bonus for being in the top 10, then you just wasted a lot of money. So then I go looking at guys like Christian Craig has been on the cusp of breaking the top 10. And I mean, it's going to happen eventually. It's a long whoop section. We all know he can rip a set of whoops or at least used to be able to. Hopefully he remembers how and can get out of his own way. Or you have Justin Cooper, which for right now I have Justin Cooper who's only 411,000. I think I put, Cooper, Craig, Savachi, all in front of Wilson and Hill, because Wilson and Hill have been pretty disconnected from that top 10 group. Um, so I put those three together. Well, the cheapest one is Justin Cooper. So I'm going Justin Cooper on that. Um, I think a huge bargain right now is Cade Clayson. Cade has been riding extremely well. He's had some falls and some bad luck that haven't put him in the mains. Um, whereas like a guy like Marquia that was mentioned, he started with a whole shot and was running up front in the LCQ at A2 and faded all the way back to sixth. All those guys passed him and went through him in the short race. He hasn't necessarily had the speed to do it, although his start's been good. And um, I'm actually really impressed with the PRMX team and bikes this year. They look really, really good. Um, the other guy that's been riding really well is actually Alex Ray. Um, I can't believe that he didn't absolutely blast McElrath. I even heard on an interview um, with the Swap Moto guys, he said he didn't hit him as hard because it was his buddy. And I don't give a shit who you are. I will T-bone my mom <laughs> over a berm into the cotton candy stand at row F for a last transfer in an LCQ. That is some pussy crap from Alex Ray. And that is not acceptable in an LCQ on the last lap if you really want to be in a main event. But he has been riding actually extremely well. I'm very impressed. It's basically the A-Ray from a couple of years ago that we saw that was a solid main event guy almost every weekend. So definitely looking at those two guys, um, John Short is also down. I don't know if he got injured in his crash last weekend, but remember he was in those first couple of main events, very solid rider. Once he's in the main events, he will do all the laps. So if you're going to kind of go for a bargain guy, um, I was able to lock in a Cooper Webb, Dylan Ferrandis, Justin Cooper, top three, 450 guys, which I feel really, really strongly about the duo of the star racing guys. Webb's obviously been good. Um, We've been talking about Frandis all night. I mean, he's been hovering around the top five. That's some really good points for where he's ranked at in this. And I mean, honestly, I see a lot of upside there with him. So right now, my 450s, Cooper Webb, Dylan Frandis, Justin Cooper, and Cade Clayson, both hot. Hmm. Why do you hate uh, Why do you hate Luke Neese? Is that like, like, is, is, like, are you still have a bone to pick with his old man? It's nine uh-huh. bucks. 
I know Jimmy well. He's uh, he's pretty fantastic. Uh, great Superman cross rider. Very aggressive. We may have gotten into a few times, so maybe maybe subconsciously, I'm I'm just. I so think angry. so. <laughs> the, the, Man, there's some that, serious hard feelings going on there. Yeah, good thing Chester doesn't have a rider a sun racing. I, he'd be at zero dollars, but uh, <laughs> and I'm kidding because I love Chester too. Um, you know, I don't think he had. Nice had a very successful career uh, or Supercross season last year. Uh, I know he had some decent rounds. Uh, again, I just like having putting some value in there, see if people can catch them, kind of see them. I personally do not have them on, on my team, but if you can get a rider that's still in uh, double digit salaries and, and within hundred, uh, you know, underneath the $99 value, I think it's, it's good to have those type of guys out there. Um, obviously I, I've tried some of those guys. I tried some last week, didn't do well. Uh, we talked about, <clears throat> you guys talked about the, the checker just talked about the, the, the high risk and low reward value of, of Sabachi. Man, I did that two weeks ago. I went with Colt Nichols, who was the second highest, and Max Bolin, who was the second highest. And when I, uh, you know, basically my salaries, a lot of them are made once the races start going, they're based upon their points. Hot guys, if they get the 10-point 10 right, 10 bonus, their salaries are based upon that. That's why those guys get expensive so quickly. Uh, that was something that Checkers and my buddy, our buddy T uh, Nick Tesmer kind of suggested to help make these these hot riders not so valuable or not so cheap, you know, make them more valuable for what they're earning. And I got sucked into Max Bowen. And we know all that Colt didn't get a top 10 and Max didn't make the veins, main event. So I think I spent by 1.6 million, almost half of my damn salary on two riders who scored me a total of about 10 points. So um, risk versus reward. That's the great thing about the hot riders. Um, can you afford them? Do you want to try them or do you want to stay more in that lower range? And then there's the two, uh, you know, 11, 12, 13, anybody under about 30 bucks who are also pretty exciting. And with are you willing to risk them to get a, a one point or maybe no points? I don't know. We'll see. As of right now, I got Thrasher, Anstey, Talon Hawkins, Braswell on my 250 class, two hot riders, two guys who I think can run top five. Tomac and Roxon, who I think can run top five in the 50 class. I got Kay Clawson, uh, Clayson, who uh, Checkers mentioned. I've had him at uh, round two who didn't, when he didn't make the main event, I think he's still capable of doing really well. And I now I have $203,000 to decide on a fourth 450 rider. I have no idea. I'm just going to sit out here and, and, uh, and sit and spin and see if I can figure it out. Fair enough. Uh, I actually, while you guys were talking, sort of like completely reworked. And I, this is, I'm going to throw this one strategy out for this one weekend. It's probably going to blow up in my face. I'm going with the two most expensive 250 guys, the two most expensive 450 guys, and then I'm going like super bargain. Um, I'm going jumping Jack Chambers in the 250 class. Uh, Devin Simonson, also both under uh, $35,000 a piece. And then in the 450 class, I have Eli Tomac, Sec Chase Sexton, uh, Shane McElrath, and Benny Bloss. And that only leaves me with $6,000 left over. I think I'm going to win. Yeah, and I've done that in the past. I've, I've compared points. So if you take the top two guys who win in each class and the top two guys who get second in each class, that's 52 points for each win or total for the winners and 46 yeah. points for the guys behind them. So that's basically what is that? 98 points. That doesn't get you 100 points yet. So uh, that's a risky and gnarly theory. I've tried it before. Uh, sometimes it works if you can get a guy who can get a sneak in there and get a, a main event, get those 5, 10, 7, you know, 11 points. But uh, I, I look forward to you trying that. I'm looking forward to moving into second this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. This was a lot of fun. Uh, damn near two hours of, uh, of quality entertainment. Uh, appreciate you guys making the time to, uh, to come on the show. Uh, final words from uh, Chris Riesenberg, the voice of reason. I can't wait to watch Chris Blos absolutely crush it this weekend. <laughs>
trying to get back on his good side there, huh? Kissing a little ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to the debut of all the rookies. You know, I've been there. I know how it feels. I know the excitement, the sometimes overwhelmingness. Um, it's going to be awesome, and I can't wait to experience it, watch it, and uh, text with you guys online. Thank you guys for tuning in. Bring on Energy Houston, and uh, if you're Logan Carnell, don't forget that shake weight. Love it, boys. Thank you so much for, for watching, everybody, on YouTube. Thanks to you guys, and we will be back next week at our regular time slot, Thursdays at 8 o'clock. Uh, tune in next time, and uh, yeah, as always, thanks for watching. <laughs>